Brand new Masechta. Brand new Masechta, Masechus Nedarim. And we are up to Daf Beis, page two. Every Masechta starts on the second page because the Torah is constantly intertwined. So there's really no such thing as starting from the beginning. Like, Veresha starts with the letter Beis. As well, there's always something in front of it. There's more information that, uh, that you got to take in. You can't look at specific parts in the tira, of the Torah as a snapshot. Everything ultimately is intertwined. So here we go. Our Mesechta, let's give a quick introduction. Our Mesechta, Mesechta Sadarim, is a little bit different than Ksubis. The first thing you'll notice when you turn to Daf Beis is obviously the size of the Daf. Okay, the Dafin in general, the amount of words of the Gemara are going to be less than we're accustomed to from uh, earlier Mesechtas in Nashim, okay? But it's not just a matter of size, of the, the amount of words that are on the daf. There really is a, uh, a different approach that comes. And let's begin. Let's begin. Rashi on our Mesechta is a shaila whether it's even Rashi. If you look at the page, there are many people who instead of, they refer to where the, on the page writes Rashi, they refer to it as the Mefarish, the explainer, because most, of, most opinions are that the Rashi that we see on the page is not, is not really from Rashi, it's from other G'daylam, certainly from big people. You know, there's a famous picture of the Chafetz Chaim. And they say that's not what the Chavetz Chaim looked like. The, the, you know, the, the famous picture, they say that's not what the Chavetz Chaim looked like. And if you look at the video that they found of the Chavetz Chaim in the 20s, going to the Knesia Gedaila, that didn't look like him. So, but they say, you know, whoever that person is, that everybody thinks of the Chavetz Chaim, he was probably a Chosh of a guy. <laughs> he looks like a Tzadik. He look, whoever it is, he's, whether or not the Chavetz Chaim is a Tzadik. So, even though it might say Rashi, and it's not really Rashi, there's certainly Gittazachin, big, big Gittazachin between the Chavim who wrote that. On the other side of the page, where Taisvis usually is, we have the Ran. And the Ran is really going to be the Iker explanation on Meseches the Dara. Very often, as we go through the Dafin, when we usually would look at Rashi for some of the more simpler and concise, we'll call it explanations, simple Obviously, it does not mean uh, any sort of issues. So it's, oh, it's a simple thing. No, the simplest things, as we say always, are the deepest, the most profound. Over here, the Ran is um, more explains things. The Ran it was a hal- really brought things down to halacha. It was a halachic commentary. So very often, to explain something, we'll look into the Ran instead of the usual uh, looking into Rashi. Okay, so that's as far as the makeup of the daf itself. As far as the topic of Nadarim, so the, the word Nadarim means vows. Now the difference between a neder, a vow, and a shvua, and an oath. What's the difference? So here we go. We're going to get very, we're going to get very, uh, we're going to go back to yeshiva here. And we're going to create our first and most important chakira difference, showing a difference between a neder and a shvua. Okay, both of them are statements prohibiting. We'll make a period there. Both are statements prohibiting. All right. Now, prohibiting what? That's what's going to differentiate a neder and a shvua. So here we go. Remember this. Listen closely. A neder is something that goes on an item, what we call a cheftza. So, for example, the Torah says, I'm not allowed to eat pork. Am I allowed to eat meat? 
From a cow? Absolutely. Kosher meat, I can eat. However, there's a fascinating thing which the Torah calls a pella. It's a, it's a shocking thing. When the, the Torah writes about a neder, it uses the word pella. Ish kiyidar neder lashem. And then it uses the expression of lahafli. It's a pella. It's like a wonder. You know what you could do? You can look at a piece of meat and say, that piece of meat is not kosher for me. I'm making a neder that that is forbidden for me to eat. The same way Hashem says it's forbidden to eat pork, I, with my mouth, with my utterance, and this is the Pella, we say, yeah, it's just words, it's not an action. Words make something, what we'll call in our terms, treif. This piece of meat, this cow meat, is not kosher to you. It's push it, not, it's simply not kosher. End of story. Why? Because I made a neder on that piece of meat. So a neder, a vow, is when I look at an object, I look at an item, and I prohibit that from myself. Okay. Now, a shavua, an oath, is going on me. I'm not saying anything about the object. What I say is, I'm taking an oath that I'll go to the wedding. That's what's called a, I'm taking a, um, I'm, I'm making a promise, not about an object or item, but that's on me. Okay, I won't use that. I won't use that. So the neder, a neder, when you make a vow, it's on the chefza, it's on an item, and the shvua is on the gavr. Now, if you put this into, you know, the terms of the way we talk, this is very interesting because it's going to come out that when we use the term bli neder without promise, it's really not, it's really, right, it's really, it's like saying good yontif. There's no word yontif. It's, a, you know, it's yom tov. But okay, that's how people talk. And we say, bli neder, bli neder, I'll see you at mincha. If a neder is on an item, there's no item to say bli neder to. What we're really saying is that I'm not making an oath that I'll see you there, but I'm hoping, bli shvua, right, I'll see you, I'll see you at mincha. Now, it, once we go through the Masechta, we'll see maybe it could make sense, but be it as it may, according to our explanation, the more appropriate term should really be a shvua. So again, what's the difference between a vow, a neder, and an oath, a shvua, the answer is a vow is on an item, on an object, I'm forbidding that object, while a shvua is on the gavra, it's on the person. And there's many, many, many um, nafkaminas, many practical differences um, about, uh, about how this plays out. Okay, that is the first introduction needed, and that's for the mesechta at large. There's one more introduction which is needed specifically for our first Mishnah, in order to understand our first Mishnah in the first parak of Nadarim. And that's as follows. We're going to see in our Mishnah that in order to promise something, do you have to actually use the term neder or shvua? Do I have to actually use that term? Or as long as I know the intent of myself or the person, that'll suffice. For example, if I want to make a neder, if I want to make a neder that I won't eat a piece of meat. So I could either say I'm making a neder, I'm promising I'm not eating, I'm not going to eat that meat. Or I can say like this, that meat is a carbon or the words of the or the words of Chazal are going to be a konum. That meat is a konum to me. Did I say that meat is is a neder? I'm making a vow prohibiting it on me? No. What I said is that meat is a carbon to me. What what happens then? So that type of expression 
is going to be, the term we're going to see in our Mishnah is Kinoi. It's kind of like another nickname. A Kinoi means nickname. You know, a guy named Shmuel, you might call him Shmili. You might call him Sam. You might call him uh, whatever, Shmuli. Whatever you're going to call him. There's, there's other names that you know what you're referring to, even if you're not necessarily using the same word. Okay? A Kinoi is a type of oath where I know you mean a neder. You just didn't use that word. Use the different word. So does a kinoi, when you make an oath with a nickname, does that have the same power as a regular neder? That's going to be something our Mishnah talks about. The next thing and final thing for our introduction for our Mishnah is something called yados. Yados is a yad, a hand. Literally, it means handles. If let's say I make an oath, but I only say a partial statement, We'll see exactly what an example of that's going to be. But instead of saying the complete statement of everything I mean, I just say part of it. In other words, I create the handle. Same way on the handle of a cup. You're not actually touching the cup, but you're holding the handle and the cup comes with it. So if I make a statement which is not a nether, it's not a full-fledged vow, it's not a kinoi, it's not a nickname, it's really the start of a vow. So we know also what a person means, but I never completed this statement. Does that also have the complete power of a nether or not. Okay, so again, let's make sure we have this clear. A nether is a vow on an object, prohibiting an object. Kinoi is a nickname. I know what you mean when you said a nether. You just didn't say specifically a nether. And, a, and uh, yadois, the hands of something, is when I started making something like a vow, but I didn't complete it. All right, that's what each of these things are. And with that introduction... Let us begin our brand new beautiful Masechta. Here we go. Says the Mishnah. Kol kinoi nedarim. All nicknames of nedarim. Now what does it mean? All nicknames of nedarim. Again, any times you don't, you don't use the word neder, but you use other words that we know you mean to make a vow. Kinedarim, it's like a vow itself. Psh. It's like a vow itself. Gewalt, gewalt Okay, it's a vow itself. Says the Gemara, says the Mishnah, v'charamim kicharamim. And a cherem is like a cherem. Okay, what's a cherem? A cherem is like a neder, and that is, we'll try to keep it, we'll try to keep it simple, and that is when I take something and I make it forbidden to me like hektish. Okay, so I make a cherem, I say, why is it forbidden? I make it forbidden on me like hektish. Okay, so... Yeah, anything, anything, yeah. Benefiting from it, yeah, for benefiting from it, okay? Fine. So now it's designated for me, I'm not allowed to benefit from it the same way I can't benefit from anything that belongs to the base of So anything that's like a nickname of a neder is a neder. Anything that is like, that is haramim, and it's a nickname, but we know what you mean, it's haramim. Ushvuais, and also something which is a nickname of shvuais, kishvuais. That's considered a full-fledged oath. All these things, again, why? Because you look at the intent and what the person mean, what they mean. They said, I wanted it to be forbidden on the object or to be forbidden on me if it's an oath. Unazirus benazirus. Or a kinoi of a nazir is going to work as if you accepted full-fledged nazirus. Okay? Will you say something like some sort of nickname for nazir and you say, I'm that. I'm that. And you know you mean Nazir, so now you've accepted upon yourself Nazirus, even though you've used a Kinoi. Fine. So we know two important things so far. Number one is the difference between a Neder and a Shvua. 
And now we know that nicknames, meaning other terms used that we know what you mean, are also going to take on full-fledged responsibilities, if it's a shvua, if it's a nadar, if, if it's a cherem, so on and so forth. Okay. Let's keep going. Says the Mishnah Vaiter, the Mishnah continues and says, Ha'aymer lechaveirei. If somebody says to his friend, Mojrani mimcha, I am vowing from you. Now usually, again, what's a vow? You're saying on that thing, it's forbidden to me. I didn't say I'm making a vow on a specific thing from you or what exactly I mean, but I said it, what I said is, I'm making a neder from you. We, you're starting to say I'm forbidden to benefit from you. That's basically what you're saying. Okay, so this is the example of yados. Partial terms. We know where you're going with this. But you only said part of your statement. Okay? Or, mufrashani mimcha. I am separate from you. Meruchkani mimcha. I am far from you. What does it mean you're far from somebody? We're not really, we're not connected. Not, we're not connected in any fashion. Sha'ani aichelecha. I will not eat from you. Or that I will taste from you, still usser. It still becomes usser. And all these uh, uh, usser, it's, for, it's, yeah, it's forbidden because we consider it another. If, what if somebody says, I am menuda to you? Okay, now menuda means separated, it also means cherem. Okay? So if a person says, like, I'm in cherem from you, so now, what exactly does that mean? I'm not allowed to talk to you. Does it just mean I'm not getting along? What exactly does that mean? So Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva said, you know, that's a tough term. It's really, it's really not so clear what somebody meant when he said, I'm like in cherem from you. What exactly the, the intent is behind those words. And therefore Rabbi Yehuda says, you know, it's suffix dairaisa. This is all biblical responsibilities here. And therefore suffix dairaisa lechomra. Yeah, we're going to have to be strict, and we're going to have to say that if you ever want to end that vow, you will ha- the the vow is going to have to be removed. And as we'll see later on the Masechta, there's multiple ways. There are different ways to remove a vow. I want to share one more idea, which is not needed necessarily in the introduction, but is important as we move along. And that is nedarim as a whole are frowned upon by chachamim. Nedarim as a whole. We're going to turn to the Gemara top now of Omer Beis, but keep in mind. To make a vow in general, the Chachamim, are, the sages are, do not condone is the word. They don't condone this at all. For a, for a few reasons. First of all, there's enough things that you can't do. You don't need to add anything else to the tab. You don't need to keep doing that. Now, there's, there are some types of things, like even a Nazir, which is not encouraged. It could be a mitzvah under certain circumstances. What's unique about a neder, though, is that generally speaking, unless you, unless you say it, it's everlasting. It's an everlasting thing in general. Unless a person says, I'm making a nether for five days. right? But in general, you know, a regular Naziris is 30 days. But if you say, I'm vowing that it's forbidden to me, this is for the rest of your life. You're basically setting yourself up for transgression. Why are you doing that? Why, why would I, the, the Rabbanim in general frown. Now as we'll go through Masechta, we'll see. There's some beautiful Gemara and we'll see that there are circumstances where it's necessary. It's necessary. The mission of us, for example, the mission of us tells us, Yeah, Rabbi Shimon teaches us, 
you should make a fence around your tyra. Let me make a fence around your tyra. So Mepharshim explained that every Yid is responsible to know their own Torah, to know their own mission, and protect it and fence it. So if I know that I have a weakness, my weakness is Geneva. My weakness is Lashon Hara. My weakness is lewdness. My weakness is not being careful about touching somebody else's things or, or uh, whatever my weak, whatever it is. I know that I, I've got something to work on. I've got something to work on. Do I have a right or even a responsibility to create added stringencies on myself to protect it? Absolutely. Asusia means if you know yourself and you know your strengths and your weaknesses and you need to be a little more fanatically religious, we'll call it, than other people in this area, they might think you're a lunatic. If that's what you need for your height. go do it. You know yourself. Other people might laugh. Okay, but you know yourself. You, you know your weakness. You know your area that you want to work on. So go work on it. No problem. There's Again, there's going to be times where a nether is necessary. But as a whole, the concept of nedarim, to forbid things, is really not, uh, is really not something that's, uh, that's encouraged. Okay, so let's get going. Says the Gemara. Top of Beis, Amud Beis. We learned in our Mishnah, kol kinoi nedarim, all nedarim nicknames, or other words for nedarim, kinedar, are, is like a nether itself. The Gemara explains. Why is it that by a Nazir, and now the Gemara is going to be asking some grammatical questions. Why is it that in Nazir, the Tana doesn't list all this? Yet over here, by Nedarim, the Katani Kulu, we do list everything. Okay. Meaning, in our Mishnah here, it says, uh, by, uh, we, we talk about Nidarim and Haramim and, uh, and Shvuas, but we have a very similar Mishnah in Nazir that doesn't list everything. So why in Nazir do we not give a whole list of what the Kinuyim are, what exactly is going to be a Kinoy of another, but over here we do. It's a grammatical question, okay? Why, why do we got to give all, why in one Mishnah here do we give the examples and in Nazir we don't? So the Gemara answers, Get ready for this. The next half of Amud is going to be about grammar. Says the Gemara, Mishum deneder ushvuya ksive gabe hadadi, toni tartin. The kivan de toni tartin, toni kulu. Which means, in the verse in the Torah, in the Pasuk in the Torah, the, the Pasuk says, when a person is yidar neder lashem, ayhi shava shvuah. In the same verse, we talk about a neder with a shvuah. Since in the Torah, it puts Nadar with the Shvua, once I'm talking about Nadar, I'll mention Shvua. So therefore, we mention Shvuas. Good answer. You know, we have, why talk about Shvuas? This is Meseches Nadar, says the Gemara. <laughs> because the Pasuk talks about Shvua with Nadar. That's why. It's the Gemara asks, the listening Kinoi Shvuas Basar Nadarim. One second. So why don't we list Kinoi Shvuas after Nadarim? <laughs> Great. Look at our Mishnah. Chavra, look back on that. Look back at the Mishnah on Beis Amud Aleph. All kinoi nedarim kinedarim. Look, look, it's so it's so simple and so beautiful. A, a, a nickname of a nether is like a nether. A nickname of a cherem is like a cherem. A nickname of a shua is like a shua. Ask the Gemara if the Torah is putting nether and shua side by side. Why in our Mishnah do you put the word cherem in between nether and, and shua? 
put the neder and shvua words side by side. You understand? Very simple question. <clears throat> Excuse me. If we're following the grammar of the pasuk, and in the pasuk it lists neder and then shvua, and that's why I'm mentioning shvua here. So why in our mission do we do neder cherem shvua? Go go from straight from the darm to shvua. Says the Gemara, no, no, no. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why we stick cherem in there. You know why? Mishum the nederush velisni kinoi shvua boss on the darm. I'm sorry. Here we go. And since we taught these two topics, Tani Lakulu, we're going to mention everything. So that's the Gemara. If you listen to Kino Shvua's Basadarm, put Shvua right after Nadar. Okay, that's who we're up to. And it's the Gemara. I did the Darim. Once we're mentioning the Darim, now remember what's a Nadar? Is a Nadar on an object or on a person? What's a Nadar? Object or person? It's on the object. It's on the Khefza. Once I'm talking about Nadarim, which is on an object, the mitzar chevzale were forbidding an item. We're also going to list the expression of cherem, which is doing the same thing, except in a way of kedusha. The mitzar chevzale, I'm prohibiting this thing upon me because I say this thing is in cherem to me. This object's in cherem to me. and then we'll mention shvua, which is different. We're over there. You're you're uh, prohibiting oneself from the chevzah from the item. There by the Shvua, you're moving on to the Gavra, Beseder. Okay, so now we have our answer. Again, we're listing Neder and Shvua because they're together in the verse. I, why are you sticking Kinoi in there? Why, why, why are you sticking Cherem in there? Answers the Gemara, because Cherem is like a Neder, that it's only object. And then once we're dealing with all things that are objects, now we're going to move on to the next thing, which is the Gavra, which is a Shvua. Okay, says the Gemara, fine. And again, this is all going to be about Grammar. And before the, the next Gemara, let me introduce this with a, with a, a quick introduction. With this explanation, the, the rest is going to flow so, the rest of the daf is going to flow smooth. Very simple concept in the way that we speak to each other. Here, follow along. Ready? I ask you question A and question B. Which question should you answer first? That's going to be the rest of today's daf. And let me explain. If I ask you question A and question B, one way to do it is first answer the question that we just spoke about, first answer B, and then you'll go back to question A. That's one way people do it. Or other people, when asked question A and question B, they'll go in the order of the question. They'll answer first question A, and then they'll answer question B. Do you have an issue with either one of those? Do you have an issue? If somebody answers you in one, in one of two of those ways, are you going to be bothered by that? No, Azai is, right? Azai is. Said. What the Gemara is going to do, though, is try to say, is one of them correct? Is one correct? All right? So here we go. Reb Harris, you remind me of my Zayda. They say my Zayda would sit and shear, my Zaydi Isaac would sit and shear, and RJJ, and he would sit with his cigar, and he would teach Tyra. So <laughs> Harris is out there on Zoom, on the Zoom screen, and sitting with his Gemara and a cigar. Oh, All right, the same. <laughs> sitting outdoors. Fine. Here we go. Says, says the Gemara like this. Says the Gemara Azai. Yeah, he's turning the outdoors into a Bismajish. Just stay healthy, man. All right. Pasach <laughs> Bekinuyim, says the Gemara. We started out 
telling us about Kinuyim, Kol Kinoi Nedarim, all nicknames of Nedarim, Umafarish Yadais, and then we explain what Yadais are. Burns says, I'm making a vow from you, and then we stop. Okay, so first of all, why are we giving examples of Yadais before we give examples of Kinuyim? We didn't give examples of Kinuyim. We gave examples of Yadais. We want to know why. The Mishnah says, nicknames are good, are, are valid. And then Yadais depends, right? Depends, Rebekiva, that, 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 you know, mostly also it's going to be okay. What's a Yad? We give examples. And then later on, we're going to see on Daf Yud, we get to examples of nicknames. The Gemara is bothered why we're waiting to give examples of nicknames. Why are you asking, why are you mentioning A, Kinuyim, and then B, Yadais, and then explaining B, what Yadais are, and then only afterwards going back to A? Why are you doing that? Vesu, and furthermore, Yadais, uh, Yadais Inshi, uh, Yadais, are uh, you know basically as we explained, it's a it's a beginning of a expression. So tell me what yadis is in the first place. If you never tell me what a yad is, why are you already giving me the examples? So the Gemara answers, "Iri behain We do give examples, okay, of of yadis. And really, it's just missing words. And here's what it means: Kol kinoi nedarim kenedarim, v'yadais nedarim kenedarim. Fine. So our mission is letting us know that is going to be a topic. V'lifresh kinoi imberesha. So why don't we first give examples of a, the nicknames, the kinoiim, before giving examples of b, the yadais? And the Gemara, ahud the salik menehu mafarish beresha. I'll tell you why. Because whatever we're mentioning right now, we're going to explain first. You know, when you ask a and b, and you answer b first, we want to answer b first. Okay, Beseder. Says the Gemara, fine, you want to say that? No problem. Says the Gemara, but how do you know that that is the proper method in Mishnah? What we just said is like this. Very simple concept, which is, if you ask, if you mention A, and then you mention B, and then you explain B, and then go back to A, that is the normal approach that a Mishnah will take. A, B, B, A. Okay, A, B, explain B, go back to A. That's normal. How do I know that's a normal approach of Mishnah? See, here we go. This is what's going to take us. Kiddetanan, because we learned in the Mishnah. I'll give you some examples. Bame Madlikin. Yeah, anybody here a Litvak? Bame Madlikin. Ubame Madlikin. What are you allowed to light Shabbos candles with? What type of oils? And what are you not allowed to light with? And then the Mishnah says, I'll tell you what you are not allowed to light with. We start out what you could light with, and then we say you, what you cannot light with, and then we say examples of things that you're not allowed to use. What are you allowed to... Uh, uh, be, hatmana is to completely surround with heat an item on Shabbos. And again, we begin by explaining what you can't do. We explain B before A. What type of jewelry is... or, or um, um, not jewelry, but like headband, accessories, accessories, accessories and adornments. What is she allowed to wear outside without an Erev on Shabbos? And then we say, what could she go out with? What can't she go out with? And we say, you can't go out with this. Let me go back to what you could go out with. So again, you mention A, you mention B, we explain B, you go back to A. Very good. So you see, that's a common, uh, that, that's a common approach of a mission. Is it because of proximity? Because, it's, because B is... Once proximity. you're talking about it. Yeah, once you're talking about it, you stick on the topic. Yeah, you don't need to change back. Says the Gemara, Says the Gemara, one second. 
I'll prove that that's not the usual, I'll prove that that's not always so in the Mishnah, because now we're going to give examples the other way, where we talk about A, then we talk about B, and then we talk about A, and then B. How do you know that? That's not we learned in, we learned in the Mishnah, there are some people who inherit and then get inherited. And there are others who inherit. But they're not able to pass it on. Okay, there are certain relatives, they get it, but when they pass away, others are not going to receive it from them. And then we say, And then we explain the first one first. A, we explain A before B. And also, there are certain women who are permitted to their husbands. Going back to Yibam now. And forbidden to their Yibam. And remember the Gemara gave examples where she's not a, uh, she's not a erva to her husband, but she's an erva to the Yibam. For example, the Avama was married to her sister, right? So on and so forth. Um, uh, and then we say, so you see, you go back to A before explaining B. And also, there are some carbone uh, mincha that, um, uh, that you have both the oil and the frankincense, and then some shaman where you have oil, and you don't have the frankincense. And then we say, we go back to explain those that have oil and the levina and the frankincense. So again, you see that when you have A and then B, you go back to A before B. And also, yesh to unais hagasha ve'ain to unais tenufa. There are certain karbanais where they they are hagasha. They're brought near them as bayach. However, the ve'ain to unais tenufa. They do the parts do not need to be waved as part of the avida tenufa and other things are waved b'loy hagasha and they're not brought near the elu to unais hagasha. And then we go back to a again to explain everything. Yeah, do hers. So we have a before b. Very simple. And the Gemara had one more part of the question, huh? I'm here. Yeah, one more part of the question. Yesh bechar l'nachala. There, there is a firstborn when it comes to inheritance. Ve'in bechar l'kayin. Yesh ve'in bechar l'kayin. But still, as far as uh, as far as um, uh, be, uh, doing pitin aben, it's not needed. So this kid is going to get double portion, but he's not going to need pitin aben, right? And then there's Bukhar Lukayan. There's one Bukhar Lukayan, Vain Bukhar Lukayan. But it's not a Bukhar Lukayan. And then we say, Which is a Bukhar Lukayan. So again, you're going back to A before B. So you have a number of examples where we have A, B, B, A. And we have other examples where we go A, B, A, B. So how do we know what to do? Says the Gemara, okay, I'll tell you. Halein mishum de avshulei mefarishu de posach beresha. Okay, says the Gemara, a fascinating answer, which really makes a lot of sense, and that is that whenever, if you were to do A, B, B, A, and it would make it more confusing for people to understand, we prefer instead to do A, B, A, B. Meaning, if sticking with B's topic is going to make A more confusing, then we'll do A, B, A, B. However, if sticking with B is a simple process of let's just finish explaining what we're talking about right now, 
And then we'll get back to A, and nobody's going to be confused by all this. So then we'll do that. All right? So the Gemara, interestingly, you'd think the Gemara's going to answer, okay, sometimes yes, yeah, sometimes no. But the Gemara's not saying that. The Gemara is actually telling us there's a rhyme and reason. There's, there's, there's reasons behind when a Mishnah will do such a thing. When it'll go A, B, A, B. That's when, if I stick with B right now, it's going to make A too confusing. And if I do A, B, B, A, that's because we might as well wrap up the topic and it's not going to mess anything up as far as A. Okay, so that's the Gemara's answer. To which the Gemara asks a question. Says the Gemara, but let me give you a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Vaha, there's a Mishnah which says, what is a behema allowed to wear outside on Shabbos? And what is it not allowed to wear outside on Shabbos? We know on Shabbos, you are not allowed to allow your animal to do malacha. Okay? Any sort of laisasuko malacha, ata, you, your sons, your daughters, uvehemtecha, and your animals. You're not allowed to have your animals <clears throat> do work either. So, your animal cannot just walk outside and wearing whatever it wants without an Eruv. What's considered carrying for an animal and not carrying for an animal? And let's explain why this is an interesting question. A bell without are, a stop. A bell without a stop. How about, are, are you, we, we cannot carry out an Eruv. Are you allowed to wear clothes? Are you allowed to get dressed? Avada. It's not carrying. It's wearing. I'm wearing my shirt. I'm not carrying my shirt. I'm wearing my raincoat. I'm not carrying my raincoat. Now, if, if, if I would not be wearing my raincoat with my arms in it, oh, so now you're going to have a shyla, right? To put on your, put on your head. Right? It's got to be considered wearing. Well, animals don't wear clothes. But there are certain animals, there are certain things that you put on animals, it's kind of expected to be part of it, like a saddle. Is a saddle something that an animal is carrying? Or is a saddle something that an animal is wearing? So we know that a saddle is considered carrying because it's meant to carry a load and so on and so forth. But, but the Mishnah is really saying, what is an animal allowed to go with on Shabbos? And what, what, what may it not go out with on Shabbos? Now in that scenario, delay of Shah. That's not confusing for us. And then we go back to A and we say that a camel is allowed to go out with, with so on and so forth. So, and then we say, go back. why are you going back to A? Why are we doing A, B, A? If you could have done A, B, B, it wouldn't have been confusing. It, it would have been confusing. There's only two things to mention with what you can't go out with. So we see the Gemara, the Gemara is challenging <clears throat> that even in a Mishnah where it wouldn't be confusing to stick with B, we still go back to A before explaining B and we want to know why. So the Gemara, ends, so the Gemara answers like this. It's not over yet, but uh, we will, we'll, uh, um, you know what, let's do a couple more steps. Says the Gemara, Elalav Davka. You know what the true answer is really? It's Lav Davka. Sometimes it's A B B A, sometimes it's A B A B. Zimnim Mefarashahuda Pasak Beresha, Zimn Hud Solik Mefaresh Beresha. Yeah, in other words, it depends on your style. That's the Gemara's answer. Stylistic. It's stylistic. Fine. Now you can't really argue on that. If that's if that's what you're gonna say, that's what you're gonna say, right? As I is. Or another possible answer is 
Yodais, when it comes to handles of expressions, which was the end of the Mishnah, since that's learned out from Madrasha, we explain it first. Fascinating. See, Kinoi, a nickname, is more explicit that it's forbidden. Yodais, um, Yodais, a partial expression, is learned out from Madrasha. And things that are learned from Madrasha, we want to explain first. It says that it's beautiful. It says, why? Maybe learn, uh, so, so why don't you mention Yadais first? If Yadais is learned from a Joshua, so you, it's beloved to you and you want to teach it first, so why don't you mention it first? Why are you mentioning Kinoi and then Yadais? And then explain Yadais and then Kinoi? Just first start with Yadais. Answers the Gemara, Miftach Pasach Bekinoyim Da'irai Sabresha. It's more respectful, we'll call it, to begin with a expression which is a kinoi, which is, we know it's a biblical vow. And then we'll, and then we'll get on to yadais, which is only learned out from a drasha. Meaning, something that, the, what we're, where we're holding right now, and we'll hold it here for today, what we're explaining is that our Mishnah starts with kinoi, nicknames are considered vows, and then we say partial expressions are considered vows, and then we explain what partial expressions are. And then we, exp- we go back to A and we explain what nickname expressions are, what, what you know, uh, similar expressions are. The Gemara is saying, this is why. Kinuyim are more directly biblical. Therefore, start with the source. Start with a, with a da'iraisa, a biblical thing. And then we're going to move on to yadais. Then we're going to move on to something which is learned out from the rabbis in Adrasha. And now that it's learned out from the rabbis in Adrasha, we're going to stick with that idea. We'll stick with that concept, and then afterwards go back to um, and afterwards go back to the uh, to the Arisa. You know why? Because it takes more time to explain Adrasha. You got to focus on it. You got to be. You can't just say something and walk away. You ever have people say, right, mention something and then they don't explain what they're talking about? Yadais is uh, uh, is uh, forbidden, and then you walk away. What? Why? Who? What? How? Where did you get that from? There's no source. Ah, so we got to tell you the drusha. Otherwise, you know, you're just giving, leading the middle of a conversation and everybody's left hanging. So you wrap that up and then we go back to Arisa. We're still going through this idea. We're still going to go through uh, for the next little bit why, why the Mishnah is structured the way it is. But for the time being, we'll hold it here for today. And Be'ez Shem, pick up tomorrow morning, Erev Shabbos, 9.30 a.m. Have a wonderful, wonderful Erev Shabbos, everybody.